Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Isaiah 55, uh, 6 through 11. We've been in a series, um, started a few weeks back, this is number three, just on uh, the way of God is greater than our way. His way is greater than our way. His great greater than my way. And uh, what we've been kind of developing is just this idea that I, I know most of the people in the room right now, and I know if that we took a poll or if we took a survey, if we had a, a, a heart-to-heart conversation, face-to-face conversation, there'd be nobody that disagreed that they wanted God's way over their way and that his way is better. Like, we'd all agree with that. Like, there'd be no argument. Like, yeah, God's way is so much better than my way. And of course, I want God's plan for my, ni- my life and, and not my plan for my life. I think we'd all be in agreement with that. And there wouldn't be a, a need to argue. There wouldn't be any frustration. But so often in our lives, even though what we really, really want we don't usually end up choosing that there's these moments where God's way wants entry into our life and there's a choice that you and I have to make. And uh, it's oftentimes very challenging to make that choice. This is what we see with Jesus in the garden, which has been our theme verse for the month of February, Luke twenty-two forty-two. We see the same struggle in his mind and his heart. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He sees himself going to the cross. He knows the suffering that's coming. He knows that there's gonna be separation from the Father and at the end of the day, even though he's dro- dripping s- drops of blood through his sweat, stressed, um, fear, all those real human emotions, he says, at the end of the day, God, I want your way, not my own. And it came at great personal cost and trust. Obviously, we know in the end, ultimately, he had the victory. And it was all part of God's plan. But in that moment and in those prayers, those cries of his heart, those were real moments, right? They're not just in scripture because, well, he could have never chosen his own way absolutely he could have chosen his own way. Uh, We saw Adam do it, and Jesus said, I'm the second Adam who did it right when the first Adam didn't do it right. And Jesus absolutely could have chosen sin. He absolutely could have chosen his own way. But in the grace of God and his kindness and in his pursuing of who God had him be and everything that he was supposed to do and accomplish, he says, not my will, but yours be done. We find ourselves at very similar moments in our life where the will of God wants sway over our will, and then we have a choice to make. We have to surrender. We talked about surrender last week. We talked about, do we really want the will of God even when it costs us, even when it costs us at great personal risk? And then this morning, we're going to talk about how to stay in the will of God, how to stay in the will of God. Uh, First point is this, is seek God consistently. You and I are called to seek God consistently. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And I just want to stop there where it says, seek, seek the Lord. What's going to follow is it's going to talk about a famous passage of scripture that all of us know that his ways are not your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And a lot of us, we can read that and say, oh, there's no possible way to really know God's will. Because after all, his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But the key to this whole passage of scripture that we're going to continue to reading is that first line, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Because see the thing, in our natural mind, left to our own devices, even if we really, 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 really believe that we want God's will for our life, even if we really, really believe that we're going to choose God's will, if left to our own devices in our natural mind, we will choose what's best for us. We will choose what's right for us. We will choose our way over his way because his thoughts aren't our thoughts and his ways aren't our ways. We can read that as kind of an indictment if we miss that this whole passage of scripture starts out with, seek the Lord. 
seek the Lord. If we'll seek the Lord, then a little bit of his ways and a little bit of his thoughts can come into our life each and every day. That every day as we diligently seek him, every day as we seek to pursue what he has for us, for our lives, it's not that his ways and his thoughts stay up there. It's that they get inside of me and they start to change me. And all of a sudden I start thinking in a way that I wouldn't think before. Anybody ever can ever say like, maybe you've been saved for a certain length of time. You can be like, I remember the way I used to think and I remember how I think now and it's very different. I remember what I used to think about forgiveness, how I think about forgiveness now is very different. God's doing a work in me. Over time, there's something that's changing. I remember how I used to think about finances and now I think about finances through the lens of God's word. It's totally different. How I used to think about marriage and now I think about it through God's lens and the way I think about marriage is completely different. And on and on and on we go as we grow in the Lord. His thoughts begin to become our thoughts and his ways begin to become our ways, but it starts with seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. So he's making a comparison, right? My word is like rain coming down from the heavens and watering the earth that causes seeds to sprout and bring forth life. How many know if rain doesn't come, we don't eat? I mean, maybe you could go on the carnivore diet and you'd have to be a really good hunter. But apart from bread, like civilizations were started around farming. Like there was no great civilizations until people figured out how to farm for a large group of people. There needs to be farming. There needs to be water that comes and it waters the earth. And then from that water, there's this thing that happens to the soil and there's thing that happens to the seed that's in the soil where a sprout begins to spring up. And from that sprout, we get all kinds of wheat and, and I mean, everybody went to school, right? Like, do I have to keep going? Like, it's, it's this whole thing. I think photosynthesis is part of it. It's a big deal. I'm learning all about it right now. Uh, but here, with the kids, because they're homeschooled and we learn together. Um, like, I did not catch that when I was growing up. But that's a really neat thing about being a parent is if there's something that you missed, you're gonna, you catch it around on the second time. You know, you get it on the second round when you're, when you're raising your kids. Uh, but the, the way that that works, that system of water from the heavens, watering the earth, bringing forth light is the way the word of God works in my heart. That if I will be a person who diligently seeks the Lord, who seeks him consistently, daily, getting his word in my heart, there is a transaction that happens that's watering the soil of my soul and there's something that is going to spring up and sprout and bring forth fruit. And listen to what it, what it says. So shall my word be that comes out from my mouth it's not going to return to me empty. God is saying, listen, when you get God's word in your heart, something is going to happen. It's not going to come back without doing some kind of a change in your life. It's not going to come back to the Lord without having not produced something. Just like when rain comes down from the heavens, something changes, something happens, growth happens, seeds sprout, things begin to live again. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So 
God's sent word is the word that we have, right? And if we get that into our heart, his promise is that it's going to do something. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your mind. It's going to change your heart. It's going to change the way you think about life and how you process your own thoughts, that you won't be living with your own natural mind. You'll have a supernatural ability to make choices that are more in alignment with the will of God for your life. So when you want the will of God for your life, if you're going to stay in the will of God for your life, there's going to be have a great amount of his word coming into your life that's changing you, transforming you. My, uh, we shared for eight years, we shared a wall with our two little girls. No, nine years. Nine years we shared a wall. Our bedrooms, right? And uh, they are kind of, our house is kind of funky. They are kind of in our closet. But it's a really, I just, before you turn us in, uh, it's a really big closet. It's like a 10 by 12. But we have to walk through their room, maybe 12 by 12. We have to walk through their room to get out. And so we shared a wall. It's really inconvenient when you're sharing a wall with the, with the two little girls, you know? It's just frustrating, right? Because they're little and they don't put their stuff away and it was too small. But we just made this big move in our home over the summer where the girls moved down to the boys' room. And the boys' room is 27 feet away from our room. And it was a big change. And there were lots of tears because they're that, they're 27 feet away from mom and dad. Like no longer are they four feet away. No longer are they, we're like three walls removed. Like we're saying, thank you, Jesus. And they're like, we're so scared. We're in, a, we're in our own room and it's bigger and it's scarier and it's way down the hallway and oh my goodness. And so we, we have, you can think of, you know, whatever you feel about government encroachment, we have Amazon Alexas in every one of our rooms. And uh, I know, they, they, they know everything about us, just to be real. Uh, she's listening to everything. And the girls, we put one up in their, their thing and they, they now play on level two every night before they go to bed. They say, uh, Alexa, play K-Love Radio, uh, sound volume two. And all night long, the, the worship is going on in their room and there's scriptures that are being read and prayers that are being prayed and all this spiritual stuff happening and they sleep at night, right? And you think about, man, that, that word is going on in their lives and in their hearts and it's not gonna return void. You know, it's gonna do something. It's gonna produce something because it's constantly on in our home. Like we have the word of God in our lives and around us and uh, involved in every day of how we live. And it changed the environment of their room and they, they were able to sleep and they're like, man, this is, this is great. We can, we can do this now. I love getting up at like early in the morning or maybe late at night when I'm going back to bed and I just I go out, peek in their room and they're, they're totally asleep and the word is their playing. There's some worship leader leading worship and it, it's transformative and it changes. This is the way the word of God works in our life. It gets down inside of us and it transforms how we think and what we do, the way that we live. I want you to notice two words in verse six. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him, call upon him while he is near. Everybody say while. That's an interesting word. It's very, first of all, it's kind of strange to even just say it alone. When you say it in a sentence, it sounds a little bit better. But while he may be found. And I can't necessarily prove this theologically, but I want, you to tell, I want to tell you how God has proven himself to work in my life. At least when I when it comes to hearing his voice and staying in alignment with his will for my life. My, my heart has like windows in it, right? And there's windows of time where I feel like those windows are open. And for some reason, maybe it's the circumstances I'm facing or maybe it's stress that I'm under or different things in life that have come against me. But it's like there's certain seasons in my life where my, the window of my heart is that much more open to the things of God. Like I'm soft. 
I'm tender. And, and there's things that he wants to do in my life. And it's not that he's not speaking. It's not that his mercies aren't new every morning and that he will eventually complete the work that he started in my life. Like he's faithful to do that. I find that there are seasons in my life where my, my heart is just a little bit more open than other seasons, open to change, open to hear his voice. And I, I've learned to really pay attention to that because that's when God wants to do something in me and I need to say yes, yes, yes. And I need to eagerly pursue him in that moment. I need to say like, God, this, this window's open. You know, surfers, when they go surfing, I don't know because I'm not a surfer, but I knew a few. When they go surfing, they, they stay out on the waves and the waves come in sets. And a good surfer, he'll be able to see what wave to catch. And he'll pass up 10 waves, 20 waves, 25 waves to catch the one wave. They're like, oh, that's going to be a good one. And he knows way, when it's way out there, or she, she, girls surf too, uh, he or she uh, knows when that wave's way out there, we'll catch it. It's like, that's the one I'm going to catch. And it's like, I feel like that with the Lord sometimes, that what the Lord wants to do in our lives, sometimes it works like waves, where not every day is the same. That there are moments where God is trying to heighten our senses to experience more of him, to say yes more. And I think it's important that we as a church family pay really close attention to when the window of our heart is open, when the circumstances of life have changed in such a way that it causes this hunger and this desire for more of God than let's say maybe we experience on an average day. Notice it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. While. Like there, it's almost like it's not going to last forever. That's the way that I, I, I see this. Call upon his name while he's near, while he may be found. It's not going to last forever. There are moments in our life where the window of our heart is open and it may not be open forever. And I don't think that's necessarily a God issue as much as it is our issue, right? We have this issue inside of us that we like to do things our way. We like to be in control. And it kind of sometimes takes circumstances that are out of our control to get us to pay attention to God. And all of a sudden, when we're paying attention to God and there's a hunger there and a passion there, it's like, seek him while he may be found. Okay, this is the moment. And I just have to imagine God's up in heaven like, this is, I'm trying to break through. I got a, I got a word for this person. I got a thing I want to do in their life. I got greater depths of understanding of who I am and what I have for them available to them. They, they got to seek me. They got to pursue me. Um, his way and his will is important enough. I, I saw this picture a few weeks ago. And uh, it was when the Packers played and there was snow in the stadium. And it could have been an old photo, I'm not sure. But a pastor posted it on Facebook. And it was, oh, there we go. And, uh, and they're just covered in snow. And, you know, they're watching, the, they're watching the Packers game. And it's like, I don't know, minus 10 or something like that. And uh, the, his tagline when he posted is like, if I could get my church as passionate about coming to church as the Packers are, Packer fans are about going to Packers games, man, we would change the world. And they're super uncomfortable and they're shivering and there's snow everywhere and there's snow on the benches and you can see their face. I mean, just, it's, just a, it's just a picture of like, man, there are things that God wants to do in us, but it's gonna require some passion. It's gonna require some energy, some depth, some pursuit where I consistently pursue him. I say, man, I'm here for what God wants to do in my life. The second thing is this, is if we're gonna stay in God's will, we're going to keep consistent and stay in his will. We have to eagerly listen for his voice. Look at John 10, 3 through 5. It says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. 
He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Here's the thing about staying in the will of God. Like if you want to keep making decisions in alignment with God's will for your life, you're going to have to get real good at hearing his voice. Because I have found that there are oftentimes places in my life where there is not a scripture that tells me what to do. Wouldn't it be nice if there, you could just look up, you know, a, a Bible verse that told you what to do in every moment. A lot of times God gives us options. A lot of times there's really no wrong answer, but there is a way that he wants us to go that's probably better than the way that we want to go. And it doesn't mean that he's going to disown you. It doesn't mean that there's going to be friction, but it may mean that there's a miss when we choose the wrong thing or when we go down the wrong path or that it leads to something. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have great forgiveness available to us, but if we want to stay in alignment with his will, we got to be the kind of people who are eager about hearing his voice, that we want to listen. And I want to say this, you can hear the voice of God. So when you gave your heart to Jesus, it came with an ability that may, you may or may not have realized, and that's the ability to hear his voice. That you can, that's, that's like your birthright as one of his sons and one of his daughters, is that he wants to speak with you. But inevitably what happens when you say something like that is somebody in the room will ask the question, then how come some people seem to hear God's voice more than I do? Anybody ever had that thought? Like, they seem to always hear God's voice, and is he holding out on me? Like, I don't hear God's voice as much as they hear God's voice. How come some people hear God's voice more than others? Well, I want to give you five things, five reasons why I believe some people hear God's voice more than others. And the first one is this, is that perception is not always reality. Sometimes we think that somebody really hears God's voice because of the language that they use that they're more comfortable with than the language that we would use. Somebody will say like, you know, get, I mean, it could get real, it could get real out there, right? Like God told me what kind of toothpaste to use this morning. Or maybe God told me not to use toothpaste this morning. Uh, God told me I was in the shower and I was, I was about to grab the herbal essence and I was like, no, I'm going for head and shoulders. And I, I went for head and shoulders and I laid down the head because God spoke to me and head and shoulders changed my life. Now, can God talk to people that way? Absolutely. But sometimes it can, when you're in a conversation like that, it can leave you thinking like, well, God doesn't speak to me like that. Like, am I different? Am I, am I deficient? Because I've never heard God's voice in that way. I've never really heard him speak so clearly to me about like what shampoo to use. And that can tend to leave sometimes in our, in our mind and our heart that we can't hear God because that person talks about the way they hear God in a way that doesn't resonate with us. And I want you to say, perception is not always reality. Just because somebody talks that way, that may just be the way they're wired. That might be the way they communicate. And it may not, it doesn't have anything to do with you and how you hear God's voice. The second thing is this, is that practicing hearing God's voice is a real thing. You know, we understand this in every area of life. How many of you are glad Chris practiced in his life before he led us in worship today? Like, anybody ever been in a worship set where they didn't practice? You know what I'm talking about. This is just, it's, it's rough, right? How many are you glad that, that, especially like the drums? Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke, for practicing. Has anybody ever been in a worship service where it was like, maybe the drummer did practice, but maybe that's not their calling? I don't know. I don't know how you say that. It's a tough conversation. Sometimes it needs to be said. But you, you know what I'm talking about. It, it really deters the environment. It really changes things. Um, I'm getting over a cold. I just want you to know, I know this is a little too much information, but I finally broke down 
Last Wednesday, and I went, or Wednesday or Thursday, I went to urgent care. Couldn't handle it anymore, man. I was hacking, I was coughing, and lungs were hurting, and so I went to urgent care, and they gave me steroids uh, to calm down my lungs because they were inflamed, and I feel so much better now, but my mouth is so dry. Just letting you know why I'm drinking water right now. All right? Uh, interrupt that, interrupt our service to bring you a commercial break of James drinking water. Practice. We understand practicing in every other area of our life except in our spirituality. In our spirituality, we just want, well, if God wanted to speak to me, he'd just speak to me. If God wanted to do it, he'd just do it. It's like, no, this stuff requires practice. And I will say this, some people practice hearing the voice of God more than others. You know, if you're wondering, man, I want God to speak to me, start practicing. Set aside a time every day where you listen for the voice of God. When you're making big decisions, and maybe you're married, grab your spouse by the hand and say, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to show us. If you're single, get down on your knees and say, God, I don't want to make the wrong choice here. I want to know your voice for my life. I want to hear your voice. Give God opportunity to speak. Invite him in. That's that eager part. Be eager to hear his voice. Be eager to listen for him to speak to you. The third thing why some people hear the voice of God more than others is desire and longevity. I really do feel like, man, if we could get hungry for God's will for our life and for his voice to lead and direct our lives, it would change everything. I mean, if we were as passionate about God leading the way as the Packer fans are about filling that stadium in 10 degrees, I guarantee you'd start to hear God's voice a little bit more clearly because there's that passion, that desire, that deep hunger where God just, he resonates with that. He responds to that. And we get a little bit more open to hearing from him when we participate. The same is true in the gym. Anybody walk to the gym like this, you know, going to work out, you're like, oh. And you get to the gym and what do you, you know, you get to the, you know, the dumbbells and you're like, you know, like 10 pound weights. And you're like, the gym doesn't work. And you walk out. That's, I mean, you, somebody, somebody in the room has done that before, Right? <laughs> I don't know who, but somebody in the room has probably done that before. Probably you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I've done that before. You're just like, oh, the gym doesn't work. You know what I mean? And you, you, just, you, just, you just phone it in, right? Or maybe you get to football practice or any kind of practice in your, in, that you've grown up with, and you, you know you're just not giving it. You're not doing your best. How many of you love it when the coach just calls out and says, hey, come on, man. You know, people pay for this. Chris McCreary was in the first service. He pays people every morning and he goes to jujitsu at like 5.30 in the morning and he pays people to beat him up. Like, just beat me up. Get me in the arm bars and the headlocks and the, you know, all these different things. Like, throw me down on the, on the mat. Like, and he's paying good money for that because he knows that as he practices and he subjugates his body that he's going to become a better fighter because he's going to need that in the future. He need to fight. No, I'm just, uh, he, he knows it's for his fitness, for his health. He's willing to subject himself to that. The reality is, is that when we are wanting to be people who hear God's voice, we have to be willing to put ourselves in the position of deep desire and hunger. We're willing, willing to pay the price and say, I'm going to practice at hearing God's voice. And that will keep us in alignment with his will. Desire and longevity, that deep hunger, that deep desire. And honestly, the more we do this, the better we get at it. The more you spend time listening for God, hearing his voice. There's a book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. It's a classic from the 70s. Great book. And it just, you know, one of his things is like, go out in nature 
and just have a conversation with God. Thank him for the trees. Thank him for the sky. Thank him for the sun. And then listen for him to speak to you. And it's like, man, you'd be shocked how many times I've sent junior hires, seventh and eighth graders, we went through the book together, the youth version, and they just go out on a little walk by themselves, get quiet, and intentionally listen to the voice voice of God. You wouldn't believe the things they wrote down, came back to the group with and said, here's what God said about my life. Here's what he said about my future. Here's what he told me about what my mom's going through and how I need to be more patient, how I need to be more forgiving. These are seventh and eighth graders completely transformed by simply spending time practicing hearing God's voice. The fourth thing is why some people hear God's voice more than others is maturity and faith. I mean, no, it takes faith to hear God's voice and it takes maturity, spiritual maturity as we grow in him. That, we, that as we grow in him, we can hear his voice more and more. And then the fifth one is intimacy and friendship. Intimacy and friendship. I, there's a psalm that talks about how the Israelites, they got to see the acts of God. They saw the acts of God. They saw what he did and the great signs and wonders. But Moses knew the ways of God. And Moses had an encounter with God, an experience with God that the Israelites didn't have. That they got to see God from the outside looking in, but Moses got to experience why God did what he did. He got to experience the ways, the thoughts that he thinks, the decisions that he made. He, I'm not saying he saw the full picture, but he got in, a, in another level. He got a little bit deeper than just the average Israelite. He got to experience the ways of God. I think God has that for us. I think if we're comfortable just watching what God does in our world and saying, I love just watching God. He'll, he'll let you stay there. Doesn't he, he loves you. He has a plan for your life. You're on your way to heaven, all those things. But I don't think he wants us to be comfortable with that. I think he wants us to come in and know and experience his ways and experience who he is, intimacy and friendship. There are people who have a deeper intimacy and a deeper friendship with God. And so they hear his voice at a more regular pace, not because God's wanting anything different for them than he wants for you. No, it's because they've been more intentional. They've pursued They've been more hungry, more desirous, whatever the case may be. Maybe they've just been in it longer. They've been practicing it longer. But I do know this. God wants us to hear his voice because without his voice, we we can't stay in his will. If I am a sheep and he is the shepherd, then look at what happens. He walks ahead of them. He leads them out and they follow him. And who better to trust with our future than the, the God who's been in our future, right? He's been there. Who better to trust with our life? Who better to surrender our will to than the God who has already experienced what we're about to experience? Man, I can give over everything. I can be who he's called me to be. Listen to Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Your own ears will hear him. Listen for the hard thing. Some of the best advice Lindsay and I ever got was from her grandpa. And we were young. I think I was like, 24. She was like 23. And we were trying to make some decisions about the future, what God had for us. And he said, hey, when you're young, choose the hard thing. If God gives you a choice, choose the harder thing. And I was like, oh, wow. And so that meant something very different for us. When was, it feels like we've been continuing to do that. Like every time there's a roadmap and there's like decisions we can make, it's like whenever we get to that place, if we'll choose the hard thing, it seems to be that God is usually is leading us into the harder thing than the easier thing. I don't know what that is. I think there's something about challenge and sacrifice and growth. I mean, it's all in scripture. But if we'll choose the hard thing, God will meet us there. And I think we'll experience great growth. This Christian life, hearing the voice of God, 
Man, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not just choosing the easy path. It's choosing the, the hard thing that God presents to us. How many of you know saving for the future is way harder than just spending what you have, right? Delayed gratification. Oh man, those are, those are two nasty words, delayed gratification. It's so much easier to get that paycheck and say like, what do I want right now? I'm gonna go, you know, do whatever, whatever you like to do. And when I was working uh, in my last you know, assignment, I was working around a lot of non-believers and that was the thing. It was like when payday came, everybody knew when payday came. And when payday came, it was like, they already had, like that check had already been spent. It was, it was spent so, it would be, it's already been spent on, I'm going to buy, well, I won't tell you what they're going to buy. They're going to buy a lot of stuff. Uh, and most of it you had to drink. But uh, they're going to buy a lot of stuff and have a lot of fun. And it was, it was already gone before it even got into their bank account. Saving for the future is hard. We want it now. Listen for the hard thing that God speaks to your life. And then uh, another one is, listen in a posture of humility. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 12. It says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall fully known, even as I have been fully Known. So I really, I want to ask you this question. When you hear face-to-face, what do you think of? Face-to-face with who? Face-to-face with Jesus, right? So on this side of heaven, you and I, when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. We see through a glass dimly. That means we're not going to prophesy with 100% accuracy. Has anybody ever gotten a word from the Lord, maybe from somebody or something God spoke to your heart? And it just didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. It's like, man, that's not, you know, I thought this was going to happen and this was going to happen. It didn't happen like that. Anybody ever got, come on, you don't have to raise your hand. But you know what I'm talking about. Somebody gives you a word and you're like, oh, can I give you a word? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a good one? I just want the good ones. Uh, but it, and it just didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. We get all wound up about that. Listen, we don't prophesy with 100% accuracy all the time. We prophesy in the humility that on this side of heaven, we're looking through a glass dimly. Now, the same is true of prophecy. Is the same is true about hearing God's voice. When you hear God speak to you and when you're pursuing his will, you're not going to be 100% accuracy with everything you hear every time you hear it. Should you stop doing it? Should you stop hearing his voice? Should you stop seeking him? No, keep seeking him. Keep knocking. Keep experiencing what he has for you. But just do what Mary did with her prophecy. What did she do? It says she pondered it in her heart and she saw an angel. Like she saw an angel who appeared to her and say, you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. And what did she do? It says she pondered it in her heart. That's how we prophesy with humility. We take the words from God. We take what we hear from God and we, we marinate on it and we ponder it in our heart and we say, God, if that's what you have for me, that's what I want. But Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm surrendered to your will. Prophesy in, in part. Look at Joseph. I mean, think about Joseph's life. Poor guy, he had this amazing dream where his brothers were gonna bow down to him one day. And so he went and told his brothers. But you know what? God only gave him like, I don't know, 8% of the dream. Like that was only 8% of the story. And he said yes to this dream where his brothers are gonna bow down. He had no idea the second that they heard that dream, they were gonna throw him in a pit. And then a few days later, maybe hours, they said, hey, we shouldn't just let him die in a pit. 
you know what? Let's sell him into slavery. Let's make a little profit. They sold him into slavery. Then he goes to Potiphar's house and is a slave for a certain season of time. And then he goes and gets arrested, wrongfully accused. I mean, he didn't know the years that it would take. He saw one part of the dream. Sometimes when we hear from God, sometimes when we hear his voice or we receive maybe a prophetic word over our life, sometimes that prophetic word isn't so the outcome can be exactly what we think it's going to be. Maybe it's sometimes for the hope that we need to keep going, to keep pursuing God, to keep growing in him. And God gives us just enough to keep us moving forward towards his plans and his purposes. We listen for his voice in a posture of maturity, in a posture of like, I'm not going to get it right out all the time. Look at Proverbs 11:14. 14. It says this, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Everybody say safety. This is so important. If we're going to be the kind of people that stay in step with God's will for our lives, we're going to need people around us speaking into our lives, confirming what God is speaking to us. In fact, if you don't have a spiritual uh, mentor, mother, father, you know, brother, sister, people in your life that maybe are your small group, um, maybe people at church that you're uh, going through life with, this is so critical because we, it is dangerous. Listen, it is dangerous to hear the voice of God alone and only alone. If it's just you and God and all you need is God and that's it and it's just us two and I, nobody's ever speaking into my life, nobody's ever helping me confirm God's purpose for my life, that's a dangerous place to be. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. That's getting people around you to move through life with we're going to speak into the things that God is speaking to you. And that's how we stay in step with his will for our lives. And then the third thing is this. If we're going to stay in step with God's will for our lives, it's going to be because we give to others whatever growth we've received. Whatever growth we've received in God, we've got to be willing and we've got to be actively giving that growth to somebody else. Look at Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. I'm going to share you with you some of the most encouraging verses in all of scripture. There is much more that we would like to say about this, but it is just difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Chris, come on up. Let's, let's end that. We're going to end it right there. You know, I'd like to preach this. I'd like to keep preaching, but you know, you don't really listen and you're spiritually dull. Like what an encouraging word. You know, spiritually, you're just not that hungry. You're just not that into it. And you don't really, you know, nobody seems to really be listening. So let's just end the sermon right there. Like, can you imagine that? That's what's being said here. There's so much more I'd like to say, but you're not really listening and you're kind of dull. Okay. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. This is something that happens all throughout the body of Christ, that we make our experience with God and we make the will of God about what he's doing in me. Pour into me. Develop me. I want to experience him, my experience, my ministry, what God has for me on Sunday mornings. And there's a harsh word for that right here. You have been believers for so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need somebody to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. Solid food for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching these things. Here's what happens. 
when we make the gospel all about us, I think the harshness of that, of what God does in me or how he's filling me up and not what he wants to do through me to the people around me, we will miss, we, at some point in our life, we will miss the will of God for our life in other areas, not just that one. If I don't get into the posture, because that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't what is happening in me strictly. It's what's happening in me for the people around me. That's the beauty. This is Jesus Christ when he's in the garden and he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. He's saying, I'd prefer another way besides the cross. If there's any other way, I'd prefer it. But he's saying, God, it's not about me. And so I think the author of Hebrews here is saying, listen, when we think the gospel is about us and what we get out of the deal and just about our needs being met, we think Christianity is just about us. We haven't just made a mistake. We've missed the entire boat. We've missed the entire thing. It was never about you. It's about what God was doing in you to get through you, the people around you. Listen, I believe this. We are called to take responsibility for the spiritual growth of the people around us. In fact, there comes a point where we will find ourselves outside of the will of God if we, re- if we receive, refuse to take responsibility for someone else's spiritual growth. Now, I know you can't make somebody else grow, but when you get into a scenario where you're giving what you have received to the people around you, that's the center of God's will, man. It changes everything about your own pursuit of God's will. It changes everything about how you're hearing his voice, how you're experiencing him, because it's not just about you. It's about, man, I'm, I'm called to make disciples of all nations. Take what you have received and give it to everyone around you. I'm going to invite Chris to come up and go ahead and uh, close us with a little bit of, uh, little bit of guitar there. And I want to pray this. Um, I really, in the first service, we did this. We just said, I think this is true for everybody, that everybody can relate to seasons where you felt like inadequate to be a person who's giving what you received. But the only, the only thing that qualifies you to be a person who's giving what you've received is that you just have to be somebody who said, I've received something from God. You know, Jesus didn't ask for the little boy with five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine? He said, you know, little boy comes and says, hey, I don't, there's no food. And he brings us five loaves and two fish. And Jesus, the disciples say to him, don't you see the size of this crowd? Like, what's wrong with you, little boy? Come back with 500 loaves and 50 fish. I can multiply that. But five loaves, two fish, that's too small. That's not the conversation that's had. No, the loaves are received. There's thanks that's given. The bread is broken. The fish are torn apart. And they feed 5,000 people are fed that day because of the miracle working power of somebody saying, God, I want, I want to do something. I've got something. I've got a little bit. And if you found yourself questioning whether or not you're in God's will or whether or not you're in pursuit of God's will, I'd ha- can you also ask the question, if there, is there anybody in my life that I am taking some form of responsibility for their spiritual growth, that I care, that I'm praying for them, that I'm believing for them, that I'm talking to them, I'm calling them, I'm texting them, I'm, I'm encouraging them. Because when you do that, when you just share the little bit that you know, even if you feel inadequate, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit meets you there every time. And great growth begins to happen. And the confirmation that you're in his will, it just begins to flow as you pour your life out to the people around you as the Holy Spirit pours his life into you. Would you just do this with me? Would you close your eyes?